0: Welcome to Noble Warrior. You're here, my friends, because you believe that expanding your mindset in service of your highest purpose is what makes life meaningful. Our goal with this show is to introduce you to leaders and entrepreneurs and ideas that will accelerate your self-actualization. So if you want to continue this conversation or ask any further questions, go to noblewarrior.com forward slash group. All right, let's get started. I'm particularly excited to talk to Evo Ron today. Uh, Namely because Yvonne is a Grammy-nominated artist, as well as a spiritual teacher. Uh, The context of which we met is he had a school for mystics, the way I articulated, to talk about these um, uh, uh, dance and art and music to achieve non-ordinary states of consciousness. And that was particularly interesting for me. So thank you for for being here and and, and sharing it everything that you wanted to share with us. My particular intention is, well, one, get to know you a little better as a human being, as a man, as an artist, but also to share some of these non-ordinary uh, states, uh, a, w- a way to achieve this non-ordinary states mm-hmm. of consciousness yes, with uh, yes, my audience. Yes, yes. What, what would your intention be if everything is possible?
1: My intention would be to have an interesting conversation. So it would be interesting and heart-to-heart conversation between you and me and that that the audience will find it interesting. Mm. So, I, f- as far as myself, I'll, I'll tell you my, my feeling and my observation. From sure. myself. Uh, y- y- there's uh, In ancient times, there mm. was a practice of uh, fasting, for example. Fasting mm-hmm. was used in ancient times in the East uh, in preparation for important conferences mm. or important meetings, mm-hmm. uh, very similar to the tobacco and the herbs or you know, the mushrooms uh, uh, that people used in several societies in order to sharpen the mind. Mm-hmm. So fasting was one of the tools to sharpen the mind, mm-hmm. um, but I don't find a reason to spend a day fasting before doing an interview with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not it's not such a high or difficult task for me to to be honest with you and to have a very good deep interview you see what i mean um so i don't feel that i need it um i i don't need to fast or i don't need to take any substance i mean all i need is a cup of coffee beautiful that, that's that's all my mind needs to be very very focused and and alert and awakened um, I'll give you another another perspective uh, some of the music that I've written you know on those CDs some of it is uh, for healing some of it is for film some of it is for world music and uh, some of it is for modern dance and some of the music is more c- commercial not I mean it's as commercial as world music you know none of it is very commercial some of it is like Hollywood movies but uh, there's a couple of uh, albums here that the music is very crazy and avant-garde and, mm. and unusual mm. and strange and unique and surrealistic and dreamlike and people, some professional musicians who know me for many years once asked me... Uh, they asked me about the use of psychedelic and the use of various different herbs and drugs. And and they were stunned to hear that I don't use any of it because they thought that from hearing my music that I must have been high on something. Mm -hmm. So I I have the ability to reach deep, Down and to do things musically that are unconventional, that are dreamlike, that are psychedelic. I can do psychedelic music without using psychedelic Mm. substances, you know what I mean? Because I can let go Mm. of my inhibitions, I can let go of my square mind Mm. and let my imagination run free. Mm. with the power of my mind beautiful so that has been my own experience you know now they're, they're in general now we're getting into an interesting conversation I don't know if you're recording but already yet yeah, yeah. Um, there there are common uh, experiences of artists of musicians or who would take the drugs mm-hmm. who take psychedelic would use mushrooms would use LSD, they would use um, hashish, they would use whatever it is and then they would play music and record it and they would feel while doing it that they created incredible masterpieces, incredible music. And then in the morning when they would be so uh, sober after they came back from the trip they came down, they would listen to it and they would realize there was crap. <laughs> complete crap. <laughs> sometime, mm. sometime. Sometime, sometimes they would hear something that is brilliant and sometimes it would be complete crap. But while on in the trip, their mind was didn't have the, ju- the, the, the correct judgment of it. Right. Something that is crap may seem brilliant and something that is brilliant may seem brilliant. But they would judge it later on, which which tell us that uh, w- while we use substance to alter our consciousness, we don't have 100% reliable judgment of reality. Um, and different trips can be different trips, you know, it can be a good trip, it can be a bad trip, it can be a good experience, it can be a terrible, terrifying experience. You know, I once had a, a very bad trip, you know, with hashish. Mm. Uh, horrible, 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 horrible trip from cookies, you know, from hashish cookies. Um, there can be variety of experiences. Um, From creativity point of view, it's it's an unreliable source for creativity. Sometimes it may come out brilliant, creative fruit out of it, and sometimes complete crap.
0: It's unpredictable. It's
1: it's unpredictable. We don't control Mm -hmm. we don't control it. It controlled us. Mm -hmm. It controlled our mind, and the dosage and the method has. different aspects of it, you know, the the chemistry with what we ate, with what we did, with all kinds of things in our body uh, and things that outside of our body, it's all part of the impact. And so um, the same thing with the fasting, you know, when you fast, you may have, after a day of fasting, you may may be very clear and very capable and you may be very weak and incapable of Mm. a debate. And people, people in ancient time would do that before a great debate, before mm-hmm. a big conference with adversaries, you know, they would prepare themselves. Um, again, it, 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 you have to master it, mm. like the fasting, you have to master the method and know your own body, know your diet, know your capabilities. Every body is a little different, every mind is a little different. Mm. So the dosage and the method... Has to be very, very, very personalized to yield best results. Um, but I personally, in my path, have advocated the use of the arts, music, dance, uh, the the martial arts like karate, um, yoga, tai chi, um, uh, being in nature. You know, spending time in nature, swimming in the ocean, hiking in the mountain, uh, spending time in the desert on vision quests. You know, these, these, are, for me, these are organic, organic, and uh, re- more reliable method of strengthening the mind and the body. Uh, and through the arts, one can free their imagination, enrich their imagination and free their imaginations. Through theater and dance and music you learn to shield off the layers which so- sometimes many people can do only under hallucinative uh, hallucination and, and hallucina- hallucinating driven drugs. They can be really loving
2: mm.
1: and caring. You know, pe- people take ecstasy to feel love right and this incredible love we know from the mystics that it can be felt and and lived and achieved love for all human beings for all living beings love to every man woman um, this deep love and this year passion to hug and to to feel human warmth, and, and to make love, all all these natural human feelings, natural, can be achieved just spontaneously. Mm. If one's, if one's is balanced and uh, 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 healthy, mm. and, and, um, and, and, uh, so there are many paths you know when I lecture um, I give lectures in universities called sacred ecstasy I I teach workshops Mm -hmm. on sacred ecstasy one of the chapters in my book is called sacred ecstasy and I teach methods from Sufi traditions and from Jewish traditions of reaching sacred ecstasy through music and dance Mm -hmm. and I um, when I go to universities Nowadays in America, you know, the word ecstasy is problematic. The professors mm. tell me, you know, don't, don't call it sacred ecstasy. Don't, don't use the word ecstasy. They're going to think that you're talking about the drug. So I say, okay, we'll change the name to trance. sacred Trance. <laughs> and then it's okay. <laughs> I see. Interesting. Yeah, because they don't associate it with a drug. But, right. so we call it sacred trance. And then I go into the lecture and then I use the word ecstasy. <laughs> um, and it makes the student laugh and it engaged them. They're very interested to know. Uh, and what I tell them is that what music and dance have is because it's a natural, natural vehicle. But it has no side effects. Mm. It doesn't mess up your brain. It's actually make your brain healthier brain. Mm. Uh, it, it does, you know, when we drink coffee, coffee makes your heart pump faster. It's a stimulant. It's a stimulant. Mm-hmm. And it releases a chemical in the brain that makes us feel, feel good. Like when we get a hug, mm-hmm. our brain releases a stimulant, it releases a chemical that makes us feel good. Coffee does the same thing. So you have to, you have to use it wisely. I mean, if you are very, very, very tired... Very very tired, and your organs n- need to rest. But you drink two cups of coffee because you want mm-hmm. your ego want to achieve more, mm-hmm. or, or you under the, impr- the impression that you are you are being demanded to work like a lawyer. You know, a young lawyer that works sixteen hours, twenty hours a day. You know, some of those lawyers, you know, they sniff coke right. to to get hyper because if not, they're The rivals will do that. You know, they're not going to be as ready for the... And there's no end for the research that they need to do. There's no end. There's always more information to explore when you're a trial lawyer. So there are incredible pressure. And when you drink coffee in that situation, late at night when you work two two cups of coffee, there's a side effect Mm -hmm. on your liver. There's a side effect on your body. Because your body wants to rest at that time, and the mm-hmm. coffee makes it go and work harder. Mm. So you weaken your body. You are basically starting slowly to destroy mm. your there's body. There's a cost. Your body. There's a cost. Mm-hmm. There's a cost. For that. When there's m- in music and dance, there's no side effects. That's what I explain to the students when I give this workshop of sacred ecstasy. Music and dance have no side effects. It's completely natural for us, but it's the long way mm-hmm. and reaching second ecstasy. So I say to those kids, you know, in the universities, when you when you uh, use drugs and chemicals and whatever, it's like taking the highway. Normal people, you know, for normal people. When, when you, when you, um, not, f- not for some, some of the mystics, some of the Indian mystics, we have some documentations that for them, with music, they can get to samadhi within 20 minutes, while sitting meditation, it would take them about 40, 45 minutes. Great masters from India. We have their, their testimony about that. They were professional musicians and mystics, so for them music was the highway. Mm. But they are special, both master spiritual masters who were also music masters from India. There are, not, there are not many, not many master musicians that are also master spiritual leaders in India. But we have few that gave testimony, and their the testimony about taking forty to forty-five minutes. Through me- sitting meditation to reach samadhi, uh, 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 this moment of enlightenment. That is normal and consistent with the latest neuroscience research, which I'm I'm very much informed of because I work with neuroscientists who specialize in neuroscience of spirituality. Mm. In the United States, who are who are scanning the brain of people who do spiritual practice, and that, indeed. 40 to 45 minutes into a a spiritual practice, no matter what the spiritual practice is, but as long as it's contemplative practice, regardless of any religion or tradition, within that 40 to 45 minutes, we see changes in the brain, actual changes in the brain. So, the testimony of the yogis that preceded neuroscience, they didn't know anything about neuroscience, and when they said about 40 to 45 minutes, indeed, the neuroscience confirm what they said. But they but the few who were master musicians for them said they could do it with music within twenty minutes, which is half the time. So for them music was was the highway. But they are unique human Mm beings. And their brain, from brain scans, their brain is different than normal brain. The brain of a meditator and the brain of a musician are different brain than regular human being. Not because they were born with a different brain. No, because the practice of music, practice of music making creates circuits in the brain. The brain creates circuits of memory and and coordination. All the things that you coordinate with your hands and with your brain and with your eyes and with your ears is forming new circuits and new structure. And the end result after 20 years is that your brain, if you're an active musician, is slightly different than if you weren't doing music okay so the brain of a musician is different structurally and developmentally and they found that the brain of meditators people who just sit and meditate every day for 20 minutes or 40 minutes a day for 20 years they develop a different brain and a healthier brain so the me- the, the brain of a meditator and a brain of a musician active musicians they're both healthier, stronger brains, and more developed brains, so, but the r- the normal human being, for them, music and dance, as a path to reaching altered states, is not the highway. Oh, interesting. Is not the highway, meaning if you just go and start singing a song again and again and again and again and again and again again for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, if you really focus on that song, if your mind only focuses on that song, and if you do a repetitive movement with that, within 40 to 45 minutes, most human beings will start going into altered states of consciousness. But that's the long way, because it takes about 45 minutes, and it takes really full focus of the mind only on that one thing that you're doing Mm -hmm. which is hard for most people Mm -hmm. if they're not advanced meditators so for them this is the long way and it's a difficult way Mm -hmm. when they take a substance when they take LSD when they take a mushroom it's instant it's the highway right five minutes two minutes
0: don't need to do any work
1: exactly Mm -hmm. exactly so, it can be valuable for inner work. It could be dangerous. It can be damaging. Uh, and it's not involve effort. It's not develop your brain as much as music making for 45 minutes or dancing for 45 minutes. So, from a neurological point of view, the, what, I call, what I call the organic, and y- you may argue with me and you, you would say correctly, look, this substance, you know, this mushroom or this tobacco or this ca- coffee or whatever, this is organic. It's from nature. It's not chemical. It's not from a laboratory. This is organic product, certified organic. <laughs> 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 there was, was never chemicals in the fertilizer in this land. It's certified organic, and that's organic. Okay, but as I explained before, what, what I call organic to our body is those practices that I've been researching and learning and teaching of using music and dance as a pathway to altered states of consciousness. And, and, and one thing that I can say, the last thing I can say about this uh, this segment is that I found that these practices of music and dance ecstatic practices of music and dance are easier for most human beings mm. than sitting meditation just sit and be still mm-hmm. and do mantra meditation or focus on one word or one mantra just sit and be still for 45 minutes that is taking that takes even more more hard work for most human being mm-hmm. most human being so music and dance is a friendly way
2: it's more accessible for sure
1: it's more accessible for most people
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, so it's not the hardest way it's not
2: yeah,
1: but it's not the highway <laughs> so one thing
0: that really fascinated me about you um is this intersection between music and spirituality? Mm-hmm. I, I might as well jump right in, given the limited amount of time that we have. Um, how did you? How did you? How did you? Guess what led you to this path? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: What were some of the pivotal moments in your life that made you the man that you are, the musician that you are, the spiritual teacher that you are? It's a good question
1: things? because the way you phrase it. Uh, what were the pivot, m- pivotal moments, because it's not one moment. Mm-hmm. It's not one moment that you, you you choose music as your path, and one day you wake up and you say, oh, I, I'm interested in spirituality, and it becomes a big part of your life. It doesn't happen in one time. And as you live your life, you're not really aware where those pivot moments... In retrospect, you could look back and say, oh, that was an important... Uh, so as I look back on my life, I can say um, that I started studying spirituality when I was 19 years old. And it was by default my comp- composition teacher, who I studied composition with, uh, turned into uh, a Kabbalist, a, a, a student of mysticism of the Kabbalah, the Jewish Hebrew uh, mystical path and he became became more and more and more and more involved with that and in religion and he became very religious at the end that he he left the music business altogether and he was a professor of music in the academy in Israel and uh, uh, at a certain point he asked me and he asked other uh, 19 year old and 18 year old students of his if they would like to Meet with him once a week and study Kabbalah, studying mysticism, and he wouldn't charge for that. He would, he didn't charge any money for that. He would charge us for his less the lesson, private lesson in composition, but not for the once a week uh, open group study that he opened in his studio. And that was the beginning, and I, I kind of went along with the with the flow. I mean, I ha- I had intellectual curiosity in it, and. And as we start studying, it was very, very interesting for me. And at the same time, I, w- I was involved with writing music for theater and working in the theater. And theater has been my first love in the arts. As far, I mean, i always been in music since I was a kid. I played guitar. I, pl- I played in rock bands. I played in jazz bands. I was always involved in music. But music... Uh, Outside of music, theater became my first love at, the, at those years and I started working as a composer, uh, composing music for theater and for modern dance. And then these elements of spiritual studies came in and uh, and my family was not religious or spiritual. My whole family has been completely secular and mm-hmm. my mother was very worried and even my girlfriend at the time was worried about my studies. They thought that I'm going to become like my teacher at the end, that I'm going to turn around and yeah. <laughs> ca- cave in and, and reject my family because they're secular or reject mm. my girlfriend because she's secular or reject music mm. and just dive into this world like my teacher ended up doing. But I didn't. And, and I continue uh, um, with my path as a musician, which led me to Boston to study music in Berklee College of Music. In Boston I came to study composing music for films mm. because I had experience in Israel c- c- a little experience of three years only experience of composing music for theater and dance then I went to Berkeley to study music for films which I thought would be complementary with what I started and I loved the the magic of putting music into theater putting music in for the dance and how it transforms the theater and how the music transforms the scene, how the music creates magic for the dance. Because you could see the dance, you could see the dancers co- working on the choreography in the studio without the music, and then you put the music with that, and it's magical, it's so beautiful, it's so full, it's so rich. Mm. And so... To me, to me, music
0: hmm? adds emotions to something. It adds
1: a lot of emotions, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the emotional undertone of mm-hmm. the scene. Yeah. Is
0: that is that why? I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth.
1: Yeah, I mean, very much. I mean, you could see a scene where an actress crying and you don't believe her at all. You, mm-hmm. you feel nothing. Mm-hmm. It's a sad scene and you feel nothing. And you, then you put the music in and suddenly your heart is just... just breaks. Mm-hmm. It's so touching. It's so moving. And the music did it. It's the same actress. It's the same footage. It's the same scene. Mm-hmm. But the music... Really touches our inner core and our feelings and our emotions, so it 's magical when you add music and it 's not just emotions it 's also uh, en- a- 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 a pulse and tempo and anxiety and and rush you know music can make you feel the rush or the speed of the action it can it can it can make you feel and believe the illusion on the screen more. Mm. Because it creates the atmosphere and the psychology, the psychological reaction in us that are appropriate for for what the director wants us to think and think and feel. So music makes us, makes us not just feel; music makes us think and feel. For example, mm. if this movie starts and it looks like scary, a girl walks in a dark street alone at night, and you see a close up of her feet. And you see a shadow behind her. You know somebody's walking behind her, and it's scary like hell. But the music goes, the music tells you what to think. The music tells you, look, it's not a Hitchcock movie. It's not really horror or or a terrible. It, it's some kind of a joke. It's some kind of a grotesque. It's 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 not straight scary movie Mm -hmm. the music tells you that and the director wants the director have told the composer that they want to achieve that effect and not Mm. not the lighting and not not the acting and not the camera and not the editing and not the text told the audience that the music told the audience what to think and how to categorize what they're about to see The other way is also possible. You have a regular scene in a street. Nothing scary. Nothing scary. It's a sunny, beautiful, shiny day. Everything is rosy. What you see and what you hear, the character is talking, it's all rosy. And the music is playing just one suspenseful, suspenseful, tense sound of strings, very tense, that is getting more tense and more tense. And you know... The audience knows something terrible is going to happen. Mm. How do they know that? How do they think that? Because of the music told them to think that. So the music controls what we think, what we feel, what are our expectations, Mm. and that's how music works in cinema and in uh, in media in general. Mm. So I was very interested in that, and I studied psychoacoustics in Berkeley College of Music. Psychoacoustics is, is how acoustic, how sound, various different sounds affect our psychology. That's oh, called perfect. Psychoacoustics. What we
0: just talked about.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And sure. that th- those studies is something that I, I still use in my work for creating music for healing. Mm. Uh, and it sharpened my understanding of music in sacred ecstasies and rituals mm. because I studied it in school. Mm. In order to be a film composer, mm-hmm. so I became a film composer, and uh, I've scored many t- television series and, and 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 some films, and um, and I s- continued in Boston. I bumped into just by chance in the street. I bumped into a rabbi who was from the same sect of the the, the Hasidic Jewish. Sect of my old composition teacher in Israel. I bumped into him in in Boston, and he invited me to his class where he was teaching, and I started studying with him. Then he t- later he took me to New York to the the, the world leader of that sect, and um, I continued my studies. And then in in Berkeley, one of the uh, one of the interesting classes that were electives were Jungian psychology, and one bass player, a friend of mine who played in a band with me in college, said, oh, it's really interesting, this Jungian psychology. So I signed up. I never heard about Jung. I didn't know about Jung. I didn't know about his story with Freud. I knew about Freud, but I didn't know about Jung. So I studied Jungian psychology. The the professor was excellent. And he, because of Jung, because of this professor, I signed up to Buddhist studies, Mm. because Jung led me to Buddhism. Mm. And and then I studied Buddhism and Zen Buddhism in college with the same professor who was excellent. And I got into Buddhist meditation, and I started exploring that in addition to exploring the the Hebrew Kabbalistic spirituality. So now I was exploring both. And um, and that led me to... uh, And earlier I started working with Japanese... Because I was in the dance... Back in Israel, I was composing music for dance. One of the the choreographers that hired me was an Israeli choreographer who came from Japan, who spent years in Japan studying Japanese Buddhist form called buto. And I composed music for her, and I became interested in the buto, Japanese, very slow motion, like tai chi. And it has roots in Zen Buddhism, or influence from Zen Buddhism in some way. Uh, And so I became involved with that, and I explored the spirituality of that. And then in Boston, um, while I was still in Boston, uh, I was invited to see a concert of Kuali Sufi uh, concert. And it was mind-blowing when I saw the Kuali, which are the devotional Sufi singers from India and Pakistan. Um, It's a great tradition of ecstatic singing. And that's something that blew my mind. And so I started being... Mildly interested in exploring what is Sufism because of that, so the music brought me in. Yeah, you see, the that it's the common all denominator. Yeah, all different. It's kinds really, it's really through the music. So my mm-hmm. book, you know, the title of my book, my book is called "Divine Attunement," but the subtitle is "Music as a Path to Wisdom." Mm-hmm. Music as a path to wisdom, because for me, that has been my path. Mm-hmm. Music always led me to. Tradition of wisdom, wisdom traditions from of Zen Buddhism, wi- wisdom traditions of Sufism, wisdom mm-hmm. traditions of, of Kabbalah. All these are wisdom traditions of the East, they're not of the West, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. of the East, the How Far East and the Near East.
0: How would you define the word wisdom?
1: Wisdom, it's uh, a good question. Wisdom is a a deep understanding of the nature, the nature of things, and it's it's knowledge and understanding, deep knowledge and understanding of the nature of things, the nature of the world, the nature of humanity, the nature of living matter, the nature of nature. Uh, it's different than a professor who is a let's say a biologist a biologist who uh, study for 30 years the nature of stones let's say a geologist they are knowledgeable but they're not wise they are a professor but they're not a sage okay because they 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 are just an encyclopedia of information about one field. Sure. A sage has knowledge and information and and uh, an understanding of all fields, mm. of all fields, of uh, its holistic term. Mm. A sage, if they don't know something, they they know that they don't know something. That is a wisdom, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, a, a sage knows that their wisdom is limited mm-hmm. they have the humility, and but they have the ability to understand the nature of all things that they may encounter it could be men women animal wind fire earth it's not limited to biology or to chemistry or to music or to um, cuisine or dance. There, a wise person is not limited to one field, like uh, a professor of chemistry may may be. Mm-hmm. So you could be a professor of chemistry, and you could be sage. But not every professor of chemistry is a sage. Correct. See.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, every every sage may not know so much information about chemistry as the professor of chemistry, but every sage if you put them in the laboratory, the chemistry laboratory, they will be okay. They don't you know they, they will not touch things that they don't know about. Mm-hmm. They will use their instincts to handle the situation. Sages feel at home in every situation.
0: Sages so feels at home in every situation. Yeah yeah.
1: A, 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 a great chemist, or a great novelist, or great, you know somebody who's a specialist in one thing, and they're not a sage; they they do not feel comfortable. They're not at home outside of their laboratory. They're not comfortable. They're not at home outside their writing study if they're writers. See what i mean if they are a sage, they are at home anywhere.
0: Mm. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. One of the definitions that I hear sometimes when I they define what the level of consciousness one has is the higher consciousness, higher conscious level you are, the ability that you have in holding ideas from multiple disciplines. Yes. Lengthen. So you're more adaptive, you're more flexible. It's very true. You can hold opposing ideas in your head very, versus being very, very
1: specific. It's to, very true. About one very thing. very true. Yeah, the higher, the, the more spiritual you become, you can hold more more and more and more ideas, even if they are paradoxical. Mm -hmm. Because the higher you get, you're going towards a place where all ideas are one, Mm -hmm. where there's no distinction between right and wrong. As Rumi says, there is a field beyond right and wrong. I'll I'll meet you there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There is a field. And in, in Zen Buddhism, they call it mu. This mm-hmm. is this is a calligraphy of mu there in the mm-hmm. center mm-hmm. that is mu in Chinese uh, characters and mu means the void and that is like a canvas like the field it's a field it's a unified field and that's in very ancient terms in Zen Buddhism now in, in quantum physics they start talking scientists start talking about that. There is probably a unified field of energy mm-hmm. in the universe that, that connects everything, a unified field. It's very, very curious that they're using this terminology and they are sensing that there is some, something like that. And that field is not good or bad or female or male. And th- in Zen Buddhism, they're talking about this unified field, that mu that canvas that is empty, that has no female or male or yin or yang or right or wrong or good and evil, that field is beyond opposing ideas and opposing forces, and that is the ultimate, ultimate reality. Mm-hmm. And the, the, so, as we rise, as our consciousness rises and become more and more sensitive, more and more and more sensitive to the various realities and pers- of this universe, the, the the higher we get, the closer we get to the consciousness of that field, where there's no opposing, there's no duality, it's complete oneness, and so. As you go higher towards that, you start sensing it. And because that Ram, the highest Ram, has no duality, it accepts all. It supports all. It's the foundation of everything in the universal drama, in the universal play, of bad and evil and good and righteous and and, and sinful and men and women and animals and stones and you know and all the expression manifestations of variety that can have terrible time in the lower world opposing but as you go to higher consciousness, those adversities start to uh, slowly, slowly fade. And that's why in those higher higher level of consciousness you could tolerate you could tolerate more and more and more opposing ideas, that seems opposing ideas in this regular consciousness, because you start sensing that both ideas, what seems opposing ideas, both are manifestations of one reality. And because they are both manifestations of one reality, you start to feel sympathy, empathy, and compassion to both. Mm-hmm. You see? Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for that. One thing that impressed me most about your work, because I meet a lot of spiritual teachers, I meet a lot of people who is are very um, well educated, right? Is very informed in mm-hmm. their specific field. Mm-hmm. But your ability to articulate, to create this through line of mm-hmm. all these mm-hmm. Sufism, Taoism, mm-hmm. Buddhism, Christianity, mm-hmm. Muslim. Together, in a way, that makes it a lot more accessible to me mm-hmm. as a secular person. Yeah. So...
1: I have this gift that I received. I never learned this in school. I, get, I received a gift through my family, through my genes of teaching. Mm. My mother was a teacher, a, a kindergarten teacher, who also taught art for little kids in the museum in Tel Aviv, in the biggest museum in the country. My aunt is a, a, an outstanding teacher who still teach and she's eighty years old. She still teach amazing in Israel. she's one of the uh, the famous teachers of English in Israel. Um, my their mothers, the mother of my aunt and my uh, my mother, who were tw- identical twins, their mother, my grandmother from that side, was a social worker who also worked with people. Uh, especially immigrants, and taught them um, and helped them. And so from my mother's side, uh, I think that, uh, the, uh, and may perhaps from both sides of my parents and my grandparents, there were generations of scholars and rabbis and teachers in the old, old days, which I don't quite know much about, uh, because I don't know much beyond the generation of my grandparents. And... Um, and this, the, gen, the the parents of my grandparents from all sides were all killed by the Nazis in in Europe. So, I and and the generation of my grandparents who left left Europe before the war uh, didn't talk ma- almost at all about the, their childhood and their family. They didn't talk about the past. Mm. It was amazing. Mm. Um, I wish I had the opportunity, the awareness to ask them mm. about it when I was a kid, when before, when they were still alive. Mm. But now I, I rely on memoirs of people from similar families, from similar villages or towns in East Europe where my family came from. I rely on memoirs of other people from the same uh, Jewish communi- villages to learn about my ancestry you Mm. see and I can learn for a limited degree but but I feel that the ability to teach it's something that I never went to school for and I just assimilated things that I saw and I heard my mother and my aunt do and my grandmother when they were teaching and I think it's in my blood Mm. and it just comes to me it just flows for me, I, d- I don't do much preparations. I do, I do some preparations. I do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. And I do a little preparation before I teach. And I research what interests me. I, 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 I follow my heart. I follow my curiosity. My intellect leads mm-hmm. me to my research. What I teach, everything that I teach, is things that I research for my own sake.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Similar so sure to how I started this podcast for my own sake.
1: Exactly, yeah. exactly. And this is very good. Curiosity is a very, 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 very good driving force. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I recommend people to, to uh, develop curiosity. I, I always told my kids, who are now 10 and 14, but when they were younger, I encouraged them to ask questions. I always told them, if you ask questions, you're going to be more intelligent you 're going to be smarter if you ask questions, think what kind of questions you could ask me about mm-hmm. the story I told you or ask ask questions in the school when when when, when the teachers teach something ask questions be curious if you if you 're curious you 're going to be intelligent mm-hmm. i I used to teach my kids at that age when they were five six, seven, eight um, and that that's how my research starts and and then i i found that i have this ability to communicate and to explain and to teach in a way that people take a lot out of it and mm. i really enjoy sharing and mm. i love sharing fascinating subjects and topics mm. Things that fascinates me, I'm so delighted when I find other people that are fascinated by the things that I'm fascinated with. It's mm-hmm. it's a great delight, because mm-hmm. a lot of time what fascinates me, it's quite esoteric.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We're talking about very esoteric wisdom traditions mm-hmm. that have been in in hiding for thousands of years, mm-hmm. that were blocked from women, that were blocked from men under the age of forty. Many of those traditions were, were taught under very, very stiff circumstances in hidden hidden quarters, way, way away from the mainstream and from the public eye. And the, the musical the musical um, traditions that I'm fascinated with, for, for example, flamenco, mm-hmm. which I'm fascinated with, uh, jazz, which I'm fascinated with. And I studied many, many years jazz. Um, Very, as they're quite esoteric, they're not mainstream, right? Um, experimental theater, uh, experimental dance, you know, avant garde, um, uh, performance arts and and visual arts, and and all those things are on the fringes, they're not Mm. mainstream. And I'm fascinated by those things, by those forms of art. So, when I meet a group of people that are fascinated by one of those aspects of life and art that I'm fascinated with. It's a great delight, and I love to share. I enjoy it tremendously to share my research as far as I got with my findings and have an exchange, and and, uh, it's always interesting in my seminars because I always have circles Uh, You know, we do an activity and we have a circle where people share. I ask them, Do do you have anything that you found? Are there any findings, any experiences that that you'd like to share with us? And there's always interesting things.
0: So, on that note, um, what do you hope to achieve? Because there's seeming to me an overarching goal of music and dance and then also uh, these uh, practices of mysticism. So, say you do that. Right, and you continue to do that for decades to come. What do you hope to that that your seminar participants get out of your your teaching and your sharing?
1: Uh, I'll tell you the secret. Mm-hmm. The, the secret goal, the hidden agenda. Yes, <laughs> please. Is really all all that I do is an attempt to promote more peace in the world. Mm. It's all about that. Mm. It's about peace, it's about harmony, it's about beauty. Mm. Peace, harmony and beauty. That, those are my goals. And it's something that moves me. Mm. This this is the call, the calling that again and again and again drives me. And until until about two thousand. And I and I uh I went to, um, I started studying Kabbalah and composition in 1982, 1981. So about 20 years of my adult, the first 20 years of my adult life, this search of harmony and beauty was all for my own sake.
2: Mm.
1: I didn't think about anybody else. I was just thinking about... Myself and my path and my career and my path and my work and my compositions and my and me 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 me. How old were you at that time? When I started, oh, two thousand. The turning point. I was about. I was about. Forty or thirty nine, between thirty seven and and forty. Let's see if you, yeah. Uh, about 38 years old, I think I was. Mm. And, and and at that point, m- my shift was more, was turned, shifted towards uh, the community. The community as a whole. I mean, other people. And I've done a lot of research in the first 20 years. And I asked myself, what can I do? And I felt the answer was nothing. Mm. I'm am just one person. I'm just a musician. I have no power. There's nothing I can do. That was my first answer. Answer. Mm. There's absolutely nothing that I can do to change. The way the world is, or the reality in the world, or the or the or the, or the, the the violence, the ugliness, the, the 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 terrible things that are going on, in the world. The sickness that is in the world. You know the the wounds. And the sick, and the terrible uh, childhoods, and the uh, and all the children that are being harmed and treated badly, and then ended up creating violence and creating more violence and create more more and more and more sickness. There's nothing I can do. And when I vote in politics. W- I vote, you know, the candidates I vote for always lose. <laughs> 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 uh, so I, I felt th- there's nothing I can do. I thought I could demonstrate. I never believed in the power of demonstrations. I tried in the, the first or the Second Gulf War, I joined demonstrations in the streets in Los Angeles. The war went on, and just as well, we, f- we felt there was no impact of demonstrations. And then I thought about my own research and my own work for my own sake for twenty years. And I thought, you know, that's the only thing that I do know. I've researched music music of the Middle East. I've researched spiritual traditions for my own sake. And that's the only thing that I know and that's the only thing I can offer. And I felt this is this is the little drop that I can do. To contribute to a better world, to contribute, to make my own little contribution, to to plant one or two beautiful trees in the street, to make the street beautiful and to provide some shades and provide some fruits for the homeless on that street. You know, what I mean, it's it's a little contribution, but that's what I could do. I could I could plant three, maybe four, five trees, fruit trees. That's kind of the mindset that I I came up with, and and it gave me quite. Um, empowerment and, re- and 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 reward and and energize. It energized myself because I felt I felt here's something that I can do. And so I start touring the world and and teaching and lecturing and performing and recording and and all this work for me is social political work through my seminars. I hope to increase the harmony, the inner peace, the well-being of people as individual, and to affect through them and through what they do with their life, to affect more well-being and more harmony and more peace around them. And slowly it could have some kind of an impact. The little drop that I could affect, the little uh, impact that I could have, that's all I could hope for. And and what is really encouraging is, beyond my expectation, I didn't have any expectations for people to emulate me or to take things into their own hands. I had no vision of it. But over the last 18 years, or 19 years, almost 20 years, that I've done this work, I've been doing this work, a number of my students have initiated projects on their own. And sometimes they ask me to be an advisor. Some, you know, th- some of them started organizations. Some of them started coalitions for peace. Some of them uh, have done various projects of music in service of peace around the world. Uh, one m- most notable uh, example is one of my students from Yale University started, went to Jerusalem and started the first ever interfaith Youth Choir of Jerusalem. There never been, there never ever been a youth choir in Jerusalem that incorporated all the religions in that city. He started it, and it's a huge success. They tour Japan. They're recording with top-notch pop artists. They are in demand. He created something incredible, and I'm on the board of direct uh, board of advisors, and I've encouraged him and helped him in the, in the path. But it was h- his idea, inspired by. The residency that I gave in Yale, but I didn't do the residency in Yale with any expectation. With I didn't know him. I didn't expect anybody there to do what he did. I had no expectations. But it's such a beautiful thing because I—that's way beyond what I could do. Sure. So through other people, you see through my students and and the good work that they do in the world, some of them. uh the impact is much greater.
0: I'm so inspired by that. So the the little uh, sapling that you have planted now has ripple effects beyond your imagination. Yeah,
1: way way beyond. So and it and, re- reaches so what thousands I hear. and hundreds of thousands more people beyond mm. what beyond the hundreds of thousands of people that I reach.
0: So what I what I hear also there is in, at that time you made a decision. And then you surrender to that decision, that choice, that calling, whatever you call it. Now, here's a, a, a tricky part that most people uh, encounter. Part of being human, right? Is hey, I have a calling. I'm doing, doing, doing. Yes, I don't have expectations, but nonetheless, I do. And in that moment, there's resistance on the inside. How but do the
1: expectations, you expectations? The issue of expectations
0: expectations, mm-hmm. resistance, or lack of feedback positively, you don't have that You know, immediate... Uh, uh, so what do you say to people who is in the middle of that? They don't have that external validation, you don't have that, hey, good work, continue the good work. What I, do you say? I think... Did you experience I, I, that?
1: Well, not really. Uh, I, I, I think that my advice would be for people to have a group, to have a framework, to have a mentor. A mentor is very important. For example, that kid who started this choir, youth choir, in Jerusalem, he was very clever that he, you know, he called me and he called another person, another person who were older than him and more experienced than, than him and asked, would you be willing to be on the board of advisors for me? Could you be my advisors in this project? And we said, yes, of course. And we assist him with advice whenever he needs So, you you need advice, you need mentors, you need elders, you you need support. Mm. Um, I never had that uh, beside of the fact that I I consider some great saints as my advisors, you know, like Rumi and Hafez and Kabir and and some of the great, great Sufi saints and um, uh, the sages of Taoism and Buddha, and um, uh, there, there, there are many great Hasid rabbis, people that I r- I read their writings, or people that I read their saying that comes to me in a timing as an advice. You see, mm. so I, I, for me, for me, my, my board of, dev- of advisors transcend time and place. Mm. My board of advisors are uh, extend 3,000 years. And mm. mm. um, but that's just me. Some people th- need to have actual advisors face-to-face or on Skype or on whatever. Uh, but you need that. As far as expectations, you asked about expectations. I didn't have gr- great expectations. That That's a wonderful thing. I never expected, when I formed my ensemble to do this piecework, I never, uh, I, I did it for one concert. It was supposed to be one concert mm-hmm. for peace in 2000 in Santa Monica, one concert for peace in the Middle East. No expectation beyond that. And I was very reluctant to do that one concert. I was very reluctant because I was established as a film composer, people knew me. I was out of practice, I didn't practice my oud for 15 years. I completely got out of playing. I was all composing, conducting, producing, conducting, producing, composing, and it was incredible risk to suddenly go on stage after fifteen years that I didn't play the instrument professionally. Mm. I left the instruments behind. Mm. All I used was keyboards and computers. Mm. So I reluctantly agreed to the pressure that one of my friends put on me to do this Concert for Peace. Mm. And I did it. Mm. And out of that one concert grew the ensemble that I started, the mm. Val Ensemble, ensemble. Mm. Out of that ensemble, I, I had no expectations except for having weekly weekly rehearsals just for our sake. Mm-hmm. And out of which came getting signed with an agent, with a booking agent, and getting signed with the record label, and, and getting signed with a management company, and touring all over the world, and international festivals in Korea to Morocco to Turkey to Poland, to all over the world. And I had no expectations of this. I didn't even I didn't even dream about this. Mm. So all this came from just small good intentions mm. with very humble expectations and not seeing really where it led to. Mm. And now that we experience all that. My only expectation, my only wish and expectations, and looking forward, is that this work will continue to grow. That we will reach more and more and more people. That mm. we will uh, and expand our reach. Mm. That's the only th- wish and dream or expectation that I have. You know, th- because the work, the work is there. We can do variations, we can have another album and another concert program and another this and another that, but we established the format, we established the style, we established the program. Mm. Uh, We have an international name as an artist and as an educator, Mm. as far as myself and my ensemble, and all we can wish for is to reach more and more and more and more people.
0: Mm. Two last questions. Uh, first question would be, what I hear a lot about is fitness. Uh, what are some of the tactical things that people are inspired by your 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 story can be more spiritually fit, emotionally fit, intellectually fit, emotionally fit? Uh, mm-hmm. What was it? Mental, uh, mentally fit. Are there some yeah. tactical things that you do yeah. to become more fit? Yeah.
1: Spirit? Well, I, I, I've been doing yoga three times a week for an hour and a half each time 90 minutes three times a week for the last 18 years it's a very important part of my life so i believe uh, yoga is my physical meditation it's a time where i put everything behind i focus on the breath um so yoga or some kind of physical second art like martial arts or tai chi or qigong or yoga I, I, I highly recommend it, and then um, daily meditation can be ten minutes. It can be done with meditation music. Music is very helpful for people. But clearing your mind and sitting still is very, very important. Um, so uh, the, these, these are the. This is the short answer, and the long answer. You know, you need to come to one of my seminars, and I'll introduce you to thirty different practices of sound and movement meditations that you could choose from. Uh, I'm teaching the next um, seminars in April in Shambhala Mountain Center in Colorado, Shambhala. Um, In July I'm teaching in 1440.org it's uh, called Multiversity, it's an institution in Santa Cruz in Northern California in the third week of July. So those are the, the the two spiritual retreats this year. Um, so that's that's a short answer.
0: Beautiful, thank you. Uh, so. Now, if people are interested in more, explore more of your 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 work. Uh, is there a website that they can go to? Sure, that sure. That? Yeah,
1: my website is www. and I'll spell it. It's y-u-v-a-l-r-o-n music.com also there's a, there's a company that specializes in healing sounds which carries all my healing meditation music and, and Ayurvedic and Chinese medicine and yoga music and all that and that is called metamindfulnessmusic.com meta is spelled with two t's M e t t a mindfulnessmusic.com A lot of information on on that site about music for body and mind. Beautiful.
0: One last thing would be if people are inspired by your mission for peace in the world, do you have any specific ask of them that they could do to, you know, amplify your intention yeah, for more peace uh, in the world?
1: I mean, that reminds me, I'll answer that, but also if people want to be involved Particularly to contribute, to to be involved as volunteers or as contributors, or to be involved with some of the charity work that I do for peace. So I have a charitable nonprofit foundation, just for uh, bringing my work and the music and the teaching to youth at risk, uh, to poor neighborhoods, to difficult neighborhoods, and, and people can get involved and be part of this work that I do for peace through education in, in difficult schools and parts of the country and, and around the world. And it's called InspiredSoundInitiative.org InspiredSoundInitiative.org People can go there and get involved and actually do things for peace through education. Uh, Beside of that, um, if each one of us would, would have ten minutes of meditation a day, of deep breathing, slowing the breath, listening to calming and relaxing music, and do some kind of for- form of meditation. That would transport transform the world. That would contribute to a peaceful, a more peaceful world. So I encourage people to uh, search and find a way to increase their we- well-being, mm. their inner peace, their still stillness of the mind, using meditation, using martial arts, using yoga. And um, people are, are welcome to send me an email if they, if they would like more feedback or guidance. I'll be happy to reply. They can write to me anytime to Yuval at YuvalRunMusic.com. Very you're, simple.
0: You're a brave man for opening your emails to you. uh, the Great public. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to thank you so much for your generosity and sharing your stories. I know there's a lot more we can go into we didn't get a time sure. to, to talk about. Yeah. So hopefully we can do a then part up. we'll do a follow-up one on, for uh, sure. In,
1: in the future.
0: So so specifically, what I want to acknowledge you for, I want to acknowledge you for sharing this um, um, some of the uh, spiritual practices Right to achieve non-ordinary states of consciousness, you know, without any kind of psychedelic or chemi- chemistry. So one, two, um, your your mission to co- to achieve more peace in the world, and also tactically how you surrender yourself to this mission, you know, without expectations and some of these uh, philanthropic work that, that you do is uh, tremendously inspiring. Um, definitely do a part two. We'd love to know more about your Excellent. creative process sure. and all your crazy stories yes. in the desert, oh, all that stuff. Plenty of
1: anecdotes. Yeah.
0: Amazing. So, Good. guys... This has uh,
1: been really interesting Interesting uh, interview. I appreciate your questions very much. Thank you. We brought, well, they brought interesting contemplations and sharing. Thank you. So I definitely look forward for part two. We, sh- we shall do it in several months in the future we should uh, get back to this
0: i appreciate this hey right, guys um just do everything that all tells you um have a beautiful rest of the day take care all right listeners thank you so much for listening if you have any questions about what we discussed anything that needs to be answered please go to noblewarrior.com forward slash group we'll be happy to answer those questions there take care now bye